Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. So good to be back with you. While we were on the mission trip last week, we just kept thinking about all of you. And I wish they were all here with us and doing this together. It was amazing. And um, it's just such a joy to celebrate our resurrected King this morning. Amen. Well, let's start by reading through the account of Jesus' resurrection. And let's start with Mark 16. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along or open to it, Mark 16, 1 through 6 is where we'll start. So when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. So here we have these women, his disciples, Jesus' disciples love him. They're so devoted to him. And so these women are bringing the spices to anoint his body, this act of love and devotion. But there was no expectation of Jesus' resurrection. They, they were expecting that he would be there and that they would anoint his body. And in fact, they had to wait till Sabbath was over to buy the spices. They couldn't buy anything. Sabbath ended on Saturday at about sundown, about 6 p.m. And then they were able to get together the spices that they would need the next morning. And here they go. And as they're on their way to the tomb, very practically, I love this, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Okay, this, the stone is extremely heavy. It's difficult to get in place. But then once it's in place, extremely difficult to move because it settles in to the groove cut in the bedrock in front of the entrance. And so it's not something that you can move. Plus it was sealed and, you know, there were all these things. And so they're like, oh, wait a minute. How are we going to deal with this? But when they look up, they saw, saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. So here we have this young man dressed in white, identified as an angel in the other gospel accounts. And I want to point out that variations in the different gospel accounts are not necessarily contradictory. What, what they are is evidence of an independent account given from a different person of the same event. So different things are going to be highlighted you know, different things are going to be left out based on who is sharing the accounts. So here we have this angel saying, um, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now let's pop over to Luke and get a little bit more detail about this conversation with the angel. 
um, when the women, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Woo! Yes. And let's all say that together, starting with the question, why do you look for? Right, ready? One, two, three. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Amen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection many times. But for whatever reason, we don't fully understand. The disciples either didn't comprehend or maybe they didn't accept what he was saying. But this was, this was a surprise to them. And then once they were reminded, they were like, oh, yeah, he did say that. <laughs> um, and he is risen. You guys, this is the climax moment of the gospel. Amen? Like, without the resurrection, the death of Jesus, while being that perfect, lasting sin sacrifice, as amazing as that is, it would be indescribably tragic. But in the resurrection, he is declared the Son of God with power. God exerted his great power when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. This is Ephesians 1.20. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Woo! Thank you, Jesus! Oh, the resurrection. He's not some decayed bone somewhere. This is what happened. Thank you, God, for the power. So let's continue popping back over to Mark 16. This is verse 7 and 8. But go, so the angels are telling the women, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. Uh, I that special care for Peter. Peter's been through a lot. You know, he had boldly said, I'll go with you everywhere. I'll never deny you. And then he did. And so Peter needs some extra encouragement here. Make sure you don't leave Peter out. Go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They're like, we're just going straight to those disciples, not telling anybody else. How overwhelming would that have been? Whew. So now let's read... In John 20, it tells us a little bit more detail about after the disciples hear the report and come back. So here we have Mary Magdalene. She came running 
to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. When Simon, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. So the grave clothes were folded up in an orderly way. A different um, translation describes the orderliness that they were actually folded. And the reason why that detail is important is because if it had been a grave robbery, everything would have been in disarray. But things were tidy. So either his body was there, his body was taken, or he was resurrected. Any other options? No. Not that I can think of. So it, it was clearly not there. It was, the body was clearly not there. That's undisputed. And then, so was it taken is some of the other um, accusations. And there's so many uh, things that point to that it wasn't. But here's just one small one. And then we have... I want to just point out, too, the disciples' first experience with Jesus' resurrection was from what they saw at the tomb. It wasn't until later that they saw it in Scripture and understood. It was actually Jesus appeared to disciples on the road to Emmaus and explained things and showed them from the Scripture. And then they were like, oh, now we get it. So this point makes it obvious that the disciples did not make up a, a story of, res, of resurrection to fit their understanding of prophecy and somehow make it happen. They're, they're coming upon it in shock and figuring it out after the fact. But the truth is, it was God's will that this would happen. He foretold it, and he caused it to be so. Amen. So, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Amen. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Amen. So, what we're going to do now is testify to the resurrection power of Jesus at work last week. We're going to have the first batch of testimonies. Come on up. You know who you are if you're in the first batch. Testimonies. Oh, they forgot. Sorry, guys. Okay, so it's Aiden, Bill, Micah, and Caitlin. All right. Yes. All right. So, uh, like I said earlier, 10 of us went last week to Reynosa, Mexico. It's just south of the border. We crossed the Rio Grande. We flew to McAllen, Texas, and then drove across. So we actually crossed the Rio Grande, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's a pretty large city. And um, in, there's a base there for Kaleo International. That's one of the missions organi organizations that we support. Pastor Cameron has traveled um, and taught at their schools of missions and leadership schools for years. Um, if you've been here for a while, you've heard some of his great stories from those experiences. It was my first chance to go to a Kaleo um, location, and it was amazing. 
And like it was hard for me to understand Cameron describe how amazing it was, it's, it's hard to communicate to you um, just the, the depth of the work that God is doing through their, their ministry. They do so much, but they share so much of New Day's values. They're a church planting organization. You know, they're charismatic, like we're charismatic. They love the presence of the Lord. They love to worship the Lord. They love the word of God and sharing it with other people just like we do. And they love to plant churches that do those same things. There's so much going on, and they serve their communities so well. So um, we're going to talk about different parts of the trip. But we were involved in visiting a refugee center that they have and host. It's miraculously been provided by God, and they're doing an amazing work, mostly for Haitian refugees who spend years. A lot of them go to Brazil and then eventually take a long walk to our border and then hope they can cross the border for a new life in the United States. Um, And this refugee center hosts families mom, dad, and kids who are waiting for their appointments um, to seek asylum in the United States. So we were a part of that. We were a part of life groups that meet as part of their church in different people's homes. We were a part of this picture and where Aiden's going to start us off in a second was a huge kids event for the neighborhood around one of the churches. They have like five churches within that city and just across the border in the U.S. that are thriving churches that are changing their community with the good news about Jesus. Um, We went to church in this Um, where this picture was taken. Um, We did street ministry. We prayed with um, their house of prayer and rode around many bumpy (laughs) Mexican streets with their missionaries who raised their own support to move there, sacrifice so much for the kingdom of God. So a lot of things happened. I just wanted to kind of give you a framework for that. Like I said, there's no way I can describe it to you all. You're just going to have to go on the next trip. (laughs) And there will definitely be a next trip. So Aiden, why don't you kick us off with your experience and uh, what stood out to you? Cool. So uh, what I'm going to talk about is this. This is the church. And when we were there, they were hosting this, like, party, which in, like, the Mexican culture is Dia del Nino. Dia del Niños, which is a day for the kids. So they have, like, this big party for kids on this day, and, like, they have candy, food, and everything, and it's all about the kids. So the church wanted to do this uh, party for the kids. So while we were there, we were, um, like, going around, inviting people. We had this giant parade, which the song got stuck in all of our heads. And, like, the day of, they were expecting, like, what? 200 kids. Yeah, they're hoping for about 200 kids. And the outcome of this was about like 300, 350, 350 kids ended up coming in the end. And their families. So that's around like, I don't know, 500 people maybe. It was crazy. And so at the time, it didn't seem like We had invited very many people. Like, we went around, like, a couple of neighborhoods. The parade just went around a couple of blocks. It felt like, yeah, we didn't really invite that many people. But it turns out we, the word reached a lot of people, and it was crazy. And, like, what I thought about was, like, wow, this shows, like, God really cares about the kids. He really cares about, like, the next generation, especially in Reynosa. He really wanted them to be, like, a God-filled Christ-centered generation that could help 
turn the tide in Reynosa because Reynosa has like this record for being like a big cartel city where the cartel was like big and everything. And it had really changed since Kaleo had been there. And that showed me like God really cared about the next generation in Reynosa. Oh, yeah. There's some pictures of the kids' event and preparing for it. We swept a lot of dust in preparation for that event. It's a very dusty city. It's very dry. Um, although, as a prophetic symbol from the Lord during the event, it rained. And uh, it was like a symbol of the Holy Spirit just raining down on, on this neighborhood. Um, like Aiden said, there's some shady characters uh, in Reynosa, and the church was able to buy this building from one such character, and they met under a circus tent for a period of time, but now they've put a roof over it, they're continuing to build on it, and it was a great place to host an event. Um, we put balloons on our heads, and we marched around the neighborhood the day before the event with little tickets that said, Rifa de BCs, which is a, a raffle of bikes. <laughs> and uh, with the time, I... Thank you. Here's a video of the event. So um, I'm just going to keep talking while it shows. Um, so we, we marched through the neighborhood as a parade. People with this color skin bring a lot of attention unto themselves, but we also have balloons on our head. We had the, the announcement and the music blasting from big speakers on top of the cars. They were beeping their horns. A guy in a, a powerful Mustang was revving his engine constantly. <laughs> and uh, a highlight from that was uh, some of the balloons would fall off the cars every once in a while. And I, we went and grabbed one, merely grabbed one, and saw this shy girl who, like, you could tell she wanted one, but was too afraid to ask. And she took her a balloon. And then I noticed the her brother was the same way, and so I got to take him one. And the fruit of that, like Aiden said, was just a huge turnout the next day for this event. We did face painting and games. It was like a carnival thing where the kids went from station to station and did different games. And then uh, they raffled bicycles, which is a huge deal there. A new bike is a really big deal. Um, and the gospel was presented in a way that the kids could understand. You can see the colorful banner up on the stage there as they explain the gospel to the kids. And all their families heard it as well. It was truly amazing. Um, and then Micah is going to share with you something we did on a different day. All right. So on Tuesday night, we were able to participate in their prayer meeting, which they hold at the place we were staying. And there's this lady named Antonia. And she told us that she had knee and foot pain, and it was hard for her to walk. And so me and my mom were praying for her. And then after we prayed, she was, like, moving her leg around. And then, she was, and then we had called a translator over to ask her how she was feeling. And she felt completely fine, and she had no pain at all. Yeah, there was another woman there that we prayed for, too, that had foot pain, and we prayed for, and her pain kept going down and down every time we prayed. And I was feeling like the Lord wanted to release that over us, too. So just raise your hand if you have any foot issues, um, whether it be like plantar fasciitis, bunions, bone spurs, anything like that. Just raise your hand. So 
Father, I just, whoa. Lord, thank you for your healing power. And we just noticed that you're doing something. You healed an issue in my foot while we were there as well. And so I just feel that you're on this right now. So we just bring this back to our congregation. And we just say, Lord, have your way and heal. Your will be done. You heal these feet in Jesus' name. Heal these feet in the natural in Jesus' name. And then I saw us um, shotting our feet with the, with the preparation of the gospel of, feet, of peace, the armor of God. After you have done everything to stand, saints, stand firm in the armor of God. And one of them is having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, Lord, we see that you're healing feet, and then you're calling us to put on the armor. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Receive your healing. And we want to go forth in health and bring the gospel of peace wherever these feet are going to take us, wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, Caitlin. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say before I share this testimony is do not jump to any conclusions. Okay, no, no jumping to conclusions. I'll tell you when you can. Um, <laughs> so, hmm? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, when Lee and I get up here and talk about the prayer and Rama team, we always tell you that, you know, in the process of pouring out and giving, um, especially through the Father and the Holy Spirit, that you will receive from it, okay? That you will receive something. So in the moment that you're just giving and pouring out, you will receive. So testimony, I'm walking away, walking, coming, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, so on the way down, I was just kind of chatting with God back and forth a little bit. You know, we're getting ready to cross the border, and you think tensions are high to get into Mexico and that kind of stuff, but it's really not. They're like, give us your money. Okay, great. Welcome to Mexico. Great. A little different coming back to the U.S., but going in, they're like, yes, we'll take you. Anyway, so we're crossing the border, and I'm just kind of like, you know what, God, you know what would be great? If I could just leave my celiacs in Mexico and I wouldn't bring it back with me to the States. Like, I just want it to die a death there. And so just left it at that, get there the first day we get settled in and everything. The next day we're out during our ministry, so it's Saturday, and Saturday night we're back at the base. We stopped at an OXO on the way back and picked up a bunch of snacks. Kathy was like, you guys have to try these Japanese nuts. They're so good. And so everybody picked up a couple bags. I did too, because I'm like, you know what? The boys will love these. I'll bring leftovers home. So we're sitting there, and Todd shares some of his with Aiden, just pours some in his hand. And um, I reached over, and I grabbed one, and I ate it. And Aiden looked at me, and he's like, do you want to see the bag? Because my kids are very well-trained for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Guess what it had in it? It had some wheat. I'm like, okay. Well, um, just okay, I'm just going to have to drink a lot of water and just push through because with celiacs, you have an autoimmune reaction whenever you ingest gluten, and it's like a full-body autoimmune reaction. I'm like, great, wonderful. I'll just, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and do my best. Nothing happened. So the next day, I'm like, Aiden, I feel fine. And he's like, what? You do? Oh, my gosh, that's great. And I'm like, I know. So for the rest of the week, long story short, I had him sneak me 
gluten. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to say anything yet because, you know, sometimes you can have delayed reactions. So I was keeping it on the down low. And so I was like, Aiden, go cut a piece of that pen dulce for me. Okay, and so we'd like casually walk over and he cut a piece off and kind of walk back and he set it on the table and so I'd be the whole like, and I would eat it all week. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I was delivered from my autoimmune condition. It has felt amazing. And then when we got home, um, we got home super late, but Saturday afternoon, um, I had Aiden pick up some donuts. <laughs> I didn't tell my family yet, but I'm like, Aiden, sneak me some more gluten. <laughs> and so we did. And I'm sitting there eating regular donuts, and the rest of my family is just standing there, and they kind of kept looking at me and kept looking at me. And I asked Israel, hey, do you think these donuts are gluten-free? And he goes, I think so. I'm like, they're not. And so I told him what had happened. And then Aiden and, or no, Israel and Jude spent the rest of the afternoon going, Mom, you can eat this again? And I'm like, yep. You don't have to use a separate toaster anymore? I'm like, nope. And they were just like, you can do this again? And I'm like, yep. And, and Israel, bless his heart, he's like, so you don't need your own section in the pantry anymore? I said, nope. So like he immediately got up and started pulling everything out going, we don't need this anymore. And so... It's not just that I received something in Mexico. I mean, I spent a lot of time pouring out, and I have lots of stories and testimonies of that, too, and I'm more than happy to share them with you at a different time. But I received in a really big way, but then my kids received, too, because they get to see the miracle of my deliverance. And so this is something that will trickle down generational. So to, to kind of follow what Marilee did, how many of you wrestle with auto, autoimmune issues? Is anybody out there that does? Raise your hands high, guys. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you. Father, I just, I just thank you for this moment. I just thank you for the opportunity to continue sharing the blessing and the healing and the restoration that you gave me, Father. And for anyone in this congregation that wrestles with anything autoimmune-related or their body just, just does not react the way that you designed it to react, I just pray that there's a full restoration and a healing and just a deliverance Father, I impart the blessing that I received. I impart the healing that I received over anybody in this congregation or anybody watching on the camera that wrestles with autoimmune. And I just pray your deliverance and your healing over these people and then just declare it. Father, let them walk forward strongly and boldly and let nothing stop them. I just declare this over these people. In your name, amen. amen. Thank you. Good job, guys. Woo! All right, so this is the team from New Day, and this picture down here is, is the New Day team plus the Tennessee team. So many of you know Pastor Michael Graff. He brought a team from Tennessee the same time while we were there, and it wasn't pre-planned. It, it ended up, and it was so cool to have such a large team, and they said, because we had so many of you, we were able to do things. Had you guys not been here, we wouldn't have been able to pull off that huge children's event because we did so much work for it. So that was really cool to partner with the Tennessee team while we were there. Well, I just want to take a moment now and let our minds dwell on the amazing thing that happened in Christ's resurrection with the reconciliation. So let's think back to the garden. 
where Adam would walk with God in the cool of the evening. That connection. Think about what that would have been like to have conversations with Father God walking through a beautiful garden day after day. And then once sin entered, mankind were ripped from the Father. That chasm was so wide. And it grieved the Father's heart so much to be disconnected because of sin from the creation that he made, the purpose he made us was to be in relationship with us. And so this is what he did. For by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ was that one man that made it possible for our sins to be paid in full so we could be close to God again, close to God again. And that's why the curtain was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross because the way was made that reconciliation was now possible. The road had been paved. Amen. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's what he was doing. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Amen. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. That's the message he's given us to proclaim to others. Amen. Let's have the second group come on up and share. That's Todd. Is Todd? Yes. Todd Cameron. All right, Todd. Todd, if you could. So we actually had two opportunities to go through neighborhoods and street minister. So I'm an engineer. I'm an introvert. So this was pushing me to my limit, right? <laughs> I, it was really stretching. So um, the first neighborhood I'd say was maybe a little uh, more wealthy neighborhood even though it's still on the poor spectrum right and it was amazing because every house we went to in these groups we had a translator we were very receptive we never got turned away right everyone stopped listened to what we had to say and many of them took prayer and you know shared with us you know where the churches are at the different locations so the second time we went was near Carpa which was the big open area type church that you saw where we had the children's event and in that neighborhood, it's not quite as nice, right? A little rougher neighborhood. And my interpreter's English wasn't quite as good, Manuel. And uh, he said, this area is a tough area. He goes, we're going to be more challenged here. And as we walked, I found it to be quite the opposite. We had guys that were welding on their cars in the streets that would stop what they were doing and get up and listen to what we have to say, even take prayer. It was, it was amazing, right? So the particular one I want to share is we, we approached a corner, and there was a home with a, an older la uh, elderly lady and her daughter sitting behind this house. And she, as we kind of approached, you know, in Spanish, we asked if she'd like to talk to us. She approached us, walked away, up to the street, and she, uh, we told her, you know, through the interpreter, you know, what we were doing, walking around, inviting her to church, sharing some information. And she was receptive. She goes, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to learn more. So as we're talking to her, we, you know, 
asked her some questions. She said, well, you know, this is great. I don't think I can attend the church. I don't really have a way to get there. I'm not really mobile very well, but I, I want to learn more. So, okay, great. So we're, we're talking and then asked her if we wanted, she wanted to be prayed for. So when she did say yes, kind of looked around and said, okay. And um, so we're praying for her, and we asked if we could lay hands on her. We laid hands on her, we prayed for her. And um, as she's doing that, I could see visibly, I could see her sweat. And um, she was talking more. And of course, I don't know Spanish. So I had to have, later have the interpreter explain what was going on. And what he, expl- what he told us as we walked away is she said, as we were praying for her, she had a healing need. She didn't tell us what it was, but a healing need. And she said she felt like her blood was on fire. And she was sweating, so that kind of matched that. And, um, and you know, we said, look, can we take your information so we can reach out to you through through Kaleo, right? And we circled back, and she said, I want to share that with you, but I can't because the man of the house is abusive and violent, and he doesn't want you here. So that's why she came to the street. So she said, However, I want you to come back and tell me more about Jesus. Wow. So that was pretty awesome. Good job, Todd. So uh, one of the days that uh, we did street ministry, I was able to join the teams, and it was in the very poor neighborhood. And uh, we were teamed up with groups of three or four, and we were walking down this street. And uh, we're, we're able to share with a number of people, prayed for a couple briefly, invited the uh, children to the children's event, but uh, came upon fairly quickly this uh, young woman who was outside manually washing clothes and uh, began to speak with her. And she was very kind, gracious, and, and, and she listened as we spoke. And we find out, found out she was a single mom with five children. And some of the little boys were running around interrupting us. And as we prayed, uh, uh, um, Kathy Spalding was with us and Kathy said, well, I have five children, and, and made some connection there. Um, and she was uh, just sharing how difficult it was to be a single mom trying to raise the five children. And so we prayed with her. And as we prayed with her, I didn't know what was being prayed because it's all in Spanish. Uh, you could see her really impacted. She was just weeping as we prayed for her. And then she said, would, would, would you please pray for our, my son? Uh, he's going through a difficult time. We were like, sure. And so she had her older son came out. I would say he was 17 or 18. And we prayed for him. And um, I just shared the need through a translator for him to, to know Jesus, to ask Jesus into his heart. And uh, right there on the street, he agreed, yes, yes. And they led him in a salvation prayer. And he accepted Jesus uh, very sincerely. And uh, I thought, well, that's great. That's good. We'll go. And she said, well, I have another son. He's 16, and he uh, is really going through a difficult time. Uh, Would you please consider praying for him? Uh, He has severe anxiety. He's afraid of everything. And um, we're like, sure. And she welcomed us into her home. Um, Now, her entire home could fit in our living room. Uh, and she was living in this home with five children. And uh, it was small, very, 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 very poor. And we sit down, and this, uh, a young boy comes out. He's 16 and just very kind of downcast. And I was just speaking to him. It turns out that <clears throat> the anxiety started when his father, who had been uh, gone for many years, uh, cursed him, told him he was stupid and lazy, 
and, and, and uh, spoke really evil things over him and then left the family. And so this boy had carried this guilt and shame as though it was his fault for all these years. And we just told him that's, that's not true, that you're loved and blessed. <clears throat> and we said, we, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and understand that you have a heavenly father. And um, he also uh, received Jesus. We prayed for him, salvation prayer. But then I spoke. I said, uh, you know, you have a heavenly father, and I just want to uh, bless you as a father and speak a father's blessing over you and speak affirmation and call you into manhood. And through a translator, uh, I did that, and uh, he was impacted by that. And so I'm just really believing that his life would be transformed through that affirmation that he would know God as his, as his heavenly father that will never leave him or forsake him. You guys can sit down if you want. I'm also going to share my testimony at this, at this point as well. So street ministry was definitely a highlight. It was really easy just to knock on doors and talk to every person because we could invite them to the children's event. We could invite them to the life group that took place in that neighborhood. And so it was an easy way to just begin talking. And we were walking along the street with my group. I believe it was, Micah, you were with me. Both of you were with me. Mike and Leah were with me, and then we had um, two uh, translators. And as we're walking along, um, I saw these two boys sitting sitting on the stairs, and we were going to go and knock on the door. And I was like, no, you guys, there's, there's kids right here. Let's talk to them. And so we go up, and the translator tells them about the event and says, would you like prayer? And it was my turn. We just took turns taking the lead on praying. And so she just looks at me and says, yep, they want prayer. And so I was like, great. I said, um, "Before I, I, I'm happy to pray for you. Before I pray for you, I wondered, do you know about Jesus Christ? And, and they said, no. And I said, well, can I tell you about him first? And they said, yes. So I was able to just share with them, well, Jesus is God. In fact, God um, is, is three parts, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And, and God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. Everything you see, he created people to be in a relationship with him. But sin came in, and it separates us from him. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that our sins, our debt that we owe for our sins is death. But Jesus did that for us that we could be in relationship with him and have the gift of salvation. It's the gift he offers everyone, that you can be a part of the family of God and be reconciled with him now and for all eternity. And I said, would you like to receive um, Jesus' gift of salvation today? And they said, yes. <laughs> and so I got to pray with um, Rodolfo and Jonathan, Rudolph and Jonathan, a 14- and 17-year-old boy, to receive Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah, it's just so, it's so humbling to be used by God like that. So cool. Okay. Um, so coming back to Easter and the resurrection of Jesus, and um, yeah, being reconciled was a big part of Jesus' death and resurrection. It gives us the power to do so. And sort of building on that, the question is, um, 
What does it mean for us today that Jesus died and rose again? It's kind of a reasonable next question. How do we apply this? Well, if you are a baptized Christian, Paul writes about this in Romans 6, that you actually have participation in Jesus' death and his resurrection yourself, if you're a baptized Christian. In Romans 6, 4, Paul writes this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism. I think I have it unplugged. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So baptism marks your death and resurrection. We go down under the water, dying a death to the old life, the life that was marked by sin, um, that leads to death and eternal death even. And that part of you dies. And when you come up out of the baptismal waters, you raise up like Jesus was raised to new life. Um, So Jesus died, rose, and lives a resurrected life. And so do you if you're a Christian. Um, So Paul goes on to describe how our old sinful existence was destroyed and how a new life begins. We're no longer under the rule and reign of sin and death, but we've been resurrected to a new a whole new life, a whole new existence and experience. In 2 Corinthians 5:17, he says it's a it's a new creation life. And here in Romans 6 he calls it walking in newness of life. Christians operate in a new mode of living that comes from an impartation of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. He imparts to you the power of the resurrection that rose Jesus from the dead. He was dead in that tomb that Marilee described to us this morning, and he's not there anymore. There aren't bones. His flesh didn't decay. There was a power that made him alive, and that power is imparted to you when you believe in Jesus, when you're baptized, and it happens to you spiritually. You come alive. The old version of you is dead and gone. The part of you that was ruled over, that was in a kingdom ruled by sin and death, all the stuff in this world you see that you go, this world is messed up. Anybody see some messed up stuff in this world? Wave at me if you're tracking. Yeah, that's the dominion of sin and death. Marilee talked about the Garden of Eden where sin first happened, and that's the result of it. We see it all around us. It's obvious if we open our eyes to it. You know, sometimes it's a little harder to see because the comforts of our American life hide it from us. But if you open your eyes for a minute, you can see the deeper truth and the deeper reality that this world is screwed up. Something wrong with it, right? What Cameron said about that boy being cursed by his father is messed up. And you go to Mexico and, and the blinders are off. I encourage you to go if you've never gone on a mission trip to some place outside the U.S., especially where there's poverty. In Mexico, you see so much abuse and destruction. The sin is obvious. It has dominion. But the power of the resurrection can pick you up out of that dominion of darkness and sin and death and put you down in a whole new place, a whole new kingdom. You can become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And in that place, there's life, there's joy, there's peace. All those curses are 
fall off of you and you receive a blessing from God whose intention all throughout human history has been to bless people who bless people and bring them into relationship with himself. That's what the nation of Israel is all about in the Old Testament. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going to multiply and become a great nation so you can be a blessing to all nations. That's what we participate in when we enter the kingdom of God, even today. I was reading a commentary on Romans 6 this week, uh, yesterday, <laughs> getting ready for today. We arrived back home at like 3.30 a.m. Saturday morning, so like 27, 28 hours ago. <laughs> uh, but the commentary said this about Jesus' death and resurrection. In his death, he dealt effectively and conclusively with sin, winning a victory that needs no second fight and leaves no second foe. Whoa. Well said. Jesus did everything required to pick you up from this one and put you down in that one. The life, the joy, eternal life. All the stuff that you feel that burdens you, that weighs you down, the, the tastes of sin and death that you can feel now can be gone. You can be released from those and given citizenship in a kingdom full of love, joy, peace, patience, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Paul calls it here in Romans 6, being dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And that's available to us today. Um, it's real and it's true. It's not a pretend game that Christians play. Even as a Christian, sometimes it's easy to just pre play pretend. You know what I mean? You don't really, you're not really sure you believe it. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, you might not know if you believe it. But this isn't a game of pretend. It's real and it's true. It's truer than the wood of that podium I knocked on. It's real and it's true, just as real and true as the risen Jesus appeared to his disciples with the holes in his hands and feet inside and said, go ahead, feel it. It's real. I'm alive. It's real. He's alive. And that power is real. And what it does for you, if you believe in Jesus, is real and it's true. And so we can be transplanted from one kingdom to another. It's so, um, it's such a, uh, I'm missing the word. It's such an obvious picture for me, having just taken my passport and gone from one country to another. Having just visited with people who are uh, refugees, hoping to get their passport and cross the border and come into a new kingdom, a new country. Like, wow, it's so real for me today. But if you are a Christian and you've experienced becoming a citizen of a new kingdom, you might sometimes get frustrated or discouraged by the fact that ways of the old country pop up sometimes. You know, it's, it's okay. Don't freak out. <laughs> If you are a Christian, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus. The old you is dead. You have been raised to newness of life, and you're learning to walk in it. But you've lived life in the old country for so long. Sometimes you fall into those old habits. You know, something comes up that triggers the old way of responding, and that's natural, right? Um, the people from Haiti, if they get their chance to come into the United States and establish a new life, sometimes they might wake up and forget and start operating here in the U.S. as if they still lived in Haiti or Brazil or Chile. They often live in different countries along the way. 
it doesn't mean they're not in the U.S. It doesn't mean that they've, been, they've not been granted their right to be here. It just means they've lived somewhere else for a long time. So if that happens to you, if you're a Christian, sin or death pops its ugly head up, don't be discouraged. The Holy Spirit will empower you to walk in the, new, the ways of the new kingdom, to become a citizen in alignment with the ways of the new kingdom. It doesn't mean that sin has won. It just means you're learning to operate in the new kingdom. And um, really, that's the process of being a Christian. Once the transplant happens, it's just learning the new way. So go ahead and enjoy it. Enjoy the benefits of the new country, the new kingdom, your citizenship. You are richly blessed to be in his kingdom. He provides for you all you'll ever need, and he will do so eternally. Enjoy it, delight in it, and delight in him. Okay. So the last three testimonies, Aaliyah, Carrie, and Kathy, come on up. Okay, Aaliyah, you ready to go first? I'm going to, you want me just to explain what, what we're going to talk about next is the refugee camp. And so just so you know, when we talk about the refugee camp, um, the pictures that we show, the um, currently it's a majority Haitians. It can be lots of things at lots of times, but the refugee center, sorry, refugee center, we cannot show the faces of the people there because um, of facial recognition, they could be denied access to the states. So everything you see should have faces blurred out and or not seen, um, and that's why. So when we show them on social media that, you know, we don't want to um, inhibit them from coming into the states. And at this refugee center that Kaleo hosts, it has to be a family, which constitutes of a mom, a dad, and a child. They must all have the same last names and the passport. So we met someone whose daughter didn't get to come because their name wasn't his last name, and so he had to leave his child and to be able to come here. So um, that's just a little background. Okay. Okay, so we were there two different times, and I'm going to talk about the second time we were there. There was a group of teenagers that came over and, like, played a card game with us, and then we kind of, yes, okay. And that's the translator, and that's us, and then that's them on that side. And we had lots of fun, and they started asking us questions, like, about the states, about what school's like, about culture. And it was so cool to see how interested and intrigued they were by, like, what's our day-to-day life, like, just school. Like, we brush that off or say we don't want to go, and they're just so excited to get the opportunity and get to do that. So I just found that really cool, and, like, it was so special getting to pray for them that they'll have their opportunity quickly and that they'll make good friends when they come. So just what changed in my heart, like seeing how different people live there. So the amazing part about the Refugee Center for me was that uh, when you drive up, um, they live in a gated community. huge there's a huge black gate and it's not to keep them in 
but it's to keep them safe. So um, Dustin, who is our intrepid driver during this time, said, oh, yeah, um, we get a new gate guy every time somebody, you know, gets to, to uh, gets leaves and is able to go to the United States. We get a lot of different gate guys, but we always have a gate guy. He said, years ago, when I first came here, he'd been there for seven years, when I first came here, the cartel used to, anytime any of those refugees would step out of any of the safe camps or anything, they would beat them, take all of their clothes and all of their belongings and just dump them somewhere. So a lot of these people, I mean, we, we've talked about the fact that they sold everything they owned, they took that money and traveled sometimes for years to get to this refugee center in um, Reynosa. So um, we had the chance to sit and chat with some of them. We kind of had a little round table with them and we asked them, how long ago did you leave? And what did you do before you left? And what are your hopes and dreams? And so it was really amazing to be able to, even after everything they'd been through, they told us, oh, I was a jeweler. I used to, my wife is a seamstress. And, you know, they told us, you know, how long it had taken them, some of them months, to get to Renosa. And um, I wanted to, I told them a funny story about teaching my cat to talk during the pandemic. Because it was just me and those two cats. And anybody who knows Mr. Pickles knows that he just talks all the time. So I told him I taught him during the pandemic to say, Mama. And they laughed out loud. <laughs> and it, for me, it was so wonderful to see after everything that they'd been through that they could still laugh at a funny story. And I thought that was just totally amazing that they could do that. And it was so neat as we were leaving that second day um, they actually brought out some food, and the refugees shared their food with us, which is apparently not normal at all. Um, and so we were so humbled and blessed to, to eat their delicious food. And so for me, um, I have so many testimonies. <laughs> and Marilee told me I had one. And so my one is, do you know... In John 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice. We hear his voice if we tune in. And while we were there, the first night of, uh, that we did ministry, Cameron and I were, were, we were walking to the house where we ended up talking to those boys. And I heard the word desperate, which I was like, well, yeah, everything here looks desperate. But as we walked up and we approached the woman who was washing her, her clothes and and we were, and the translator was talking to her and stuff. And at one point, I just said, I, "I've got a word," and I just, you know, I just said, "You know, God sees how desperate you are," and the tears just came. And I was like, "Oh, you know, I, it wasn't just a word; it was God." And I was having to listen. And then the next time, um, we were at the refugee camp, and so interesting that Marilee pointed out that Peter needed to have a little special attention at the refugee camp the first day when we were doing bubbles with the kids. You can't just give them the bubbles because they'll run away with it. And, you know, so we would hold it 
and the kids would take turns blowing, you know, and there was this one guy, and he just stayed right on my hip. And, uh, and he looked at me and said, me turno, and I was like, uno momento. That's your guy right there. Yeah, he's, and he said, me turno, por favor. And I was like, I'm going to give you as many turns as you want, little guy. And, um, and after I left, I just was like, God, what? Why was that little guy who was there with his mom and dad? And God said, everybody wants to feel special. He needed to feel special. And then another day at breakfast, um, I was going to tell somebody about what we eat in America. Like, that matters. And, but she had asked, and, and then God said, no, I want you to share this thing with her. And I was like, and I did, and it impacted her heart. And and then that last day, when we were at the refugee center, I had a Mexican, I mean, a, um, a missionary um, who was our driver saying, we have food back at the um, at Materno, we need to go. And we needed to go because we were really late. We were really late. But in Mexico, hmm, relative. Um, but then I had the missionary saying to me, the refugees, they brought you this food. And I was standing there, and I was looking at the two of them. I mean, they're the ones who are supposed to be telling me what to do, you know? And I was just like, I had a moment, and God said, you eat the food. And I turned to Pauline, who was the director, and I said, would it bless them? And she said, more than you know. I'm like, everybody eat the food. <laughs> there was only four bowls, and there was not very much food. But we all ate the food, and it blessed them. They don't have anything they don't have a second pair of clothes. They don't have, they let, think of leaving everything but the one outfit you have on, and then you're going to share with Americans your food? But it was a blessing to them. And what it said to me was, I need to listen to hear his voice because I don't know who I'm going to bless. And this team was amazing. And if you said, I was supposed to go on that trip, you know you heard God's voice, and he's going to give you another opportunity. Yeah, you know Kathy's bringing us back there. All right, amen. So in closing, I want to ask you the question that Jesus asked Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So everyone just close your eyes right now and, and hear Jesus asking you on an individual basis right now, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection, the life? Do you believe that I am Jesus, the Lord? And do you want to be reconciled to relationship with me and live in the kingdom where I am king and you are beloved child. We all need to answer that question. And then I want to leave you with this charge. Acts 4.33 and talking about the early church, it says that with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let's continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We love to celebrate it. 
this morning, but who can you testify to this week? Who can you share the beautiful story of Jesus with this week? Let's all be um, encouraged to do that this week. So will you come and close us? Okay, go ahead and stand up. Mexico team, would you just come back up here and just line up? We're gonna, the team's going to pray for you as we close today. We have the opportunity every day to share about the resurrection power of Jesus, how it's been at work in our lives, like Marilee said. And there are opportunities coming up that you can be a part of joining with your New Day family to do that as well. There's a, um, another mission trip available in June to the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee. Um, so you don't have to have a passport for that one. You can go on that trip, see Kathy about that. And then starting next week, we're going to begin a sermon series called Share Your Faith, where we're going to talk about ways to share our faith, and we're going to do that in some real practical ways together as a church. But for right now, as we close, if you didn't go on the trip, open your hands and open your hearts to receive. Missions team, you put your hands out toward these guys and pray an impartation to them of what you received on this trip. God, as a team... You've done so much in us as we traveled to Mexico and experienced your power and your goodness, and we received so much from those people, how they're so open. And Lord, we bless New Day family. The rest who weren't able to go with us, we bless them with what we've received, that you are alive, you are at work, your power is moving in Reynosa, Mexico, and we pray you'd move here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, at New Day Community Church. And these people, these men and women who serve you, who love you, God, we pray the resurrection power would be revealed in their mind, their body, their spirit, and that you would send them to go and preach the good news everywhere they have an opportunity to do so. Give them your spirit to guide them, to teach them, to empower them to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Easter. He is risen. And you are dismissed.